Well, hello and welcome to video number one of our New Testament survey series. Uh, in this first video, I'm going to give you a bit of an overview of the entire class, what we're going to do together, as well as start to lean into the very first few books we're going to be looking at, the Gospels. So this course is going to be a high-level flyover of every book of the New Testament, which obviously means we're not going to have time to go super deep and detailed in each and every one. Instead, my goal with each video is going to be to give you some background, some context for the book, who wrote it, when they write it, to give you some reasons and understanding of why they wrote, what was their purpose behind it. We're going to look at distinctives of each of the books and see in what ways does this book sort of stand out from other ones like it? What are the things that are maybe different about it? We're going to do a short walkthrough. We're going to be able to see kind of how the book breaks down and as you're reading it, what kind of different ways you can see it into different sections and things. And then of course, we'll try to give some big ideas, some main themes to each of them that you can walk away with. Uh, I'm trusting this is going to be a good study. It's going to be a lot. Uh, I want to encourage you with each of these videos to first watch the overview video, they're all short between 15 to 20 to 25 minutes, uh, to watch the video, to hear all the context in the background, the big ideas, and then to read through the entire book. You might be tempted to just watch the videos and go, but the point of this is not that you're just listening to me talk. Uh, my wife thinks I'm interesting. <laughs> Actually, no, she doesn't. Uh, but the point of this is that you become more interested in the Bible. My heart and prayer for this entire series is that you develop a love for the scriptures even more than maybe you've ever had. And some of you may be following Jesus for a long time, others fairly recently. I want you to see uh, the New Testament as God's word, as life to you. And so as we give you this context, give you these insights, these little keys to help you make sense of these books, it's to help you read them. And so please, please, please don't just listen to me. I don't have that much to give. The Holy Spirit has so much more to offer you in the text itself. So be reading the Bible as you're watching these videos. All right. So here's where I want to start. We're going to start at the beginning, obviously. Uh, the first four books of the New Testament are special. They're unique, and they have their own name. We call them the Gospels, or more specifically, they are each titled the Gospel according to, and then a certain person, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Uh, the word Gospel comes from the Greek word euangelion, which means a good or great announcement. This was a political word in the ancient world that uh, would be used when a, a, a king had a child that was born, or uh, they won a military victory, or something great that, for, that affected the whole community with politics. And so at the heart of it is this idea that some great political announcement has been made, a euangelion, good news. There's a story or a message of something great that has happened. And so all four of the first books of the Bible look a little bit different than the rest of the New Testament. I'm sorry, the New Testament. Um, they look a little bit different than everything else you're going to read in the New Testament. They have their own kind of approach, their own style, their own focus. And the four of them are more similar to each other than the rest of the New Testament. And so we're going to treat them as a separate thing and then we'll move on after them. And I'm also including the book of Acts here. Even though Acts tells a slightly different story, it fits very much with the four Gospels. So we're going to do Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And then we'll move on to all the letters that follow after that. But these four books tell what is this announcement? What is this Gospel, this good news? And what we'll see, and we'll see it again and again, four times over four books, is... Uh, a story that's taking place in this little place called Israel, which has this long history explained in the Old Testament, uh, which is good to know and helpful to know, is being ruled by a foreign oppressor, the Roman Empire. 
who has a puppet king on their throne pretending to be their leader, but they know he's not a good leader. Uh, the people are living on edge and waiting for a savior to come and rescue them and, and reestablish their nation. They're waiting for a king. They use the word in Hebrew, Messiah, in Greek, Christ, someone who would come and be their king, their leader, their ruler, that God would send to save them and restore their nation. And so these four books each tell the gospel story, the good announcement according to Matthew, the good announcement according to Mark, the good announcement in Luke and John about how Jesus is that Messiah. He's not quite the one they expected. He looks a little bit different than what they were waiting for. And that led to a very different ending than they thought was going to happen. But they all tell the same story that that Jesus is the king. He is the one God sent and the one we're called to follow. So we're going to break down all four of those books and then Acts as well in individual videos that you can watch and uh, follow along and then read. But before I do, I want to give you a few thoughts about reading the Gospels in general. And then I'll also have a short video giving some insight or thoughts about how to read the letters and the epistles that will come after them. The first is this. The Gospel stories are a continuation of the story. The story of what God is doing did not begin with Matthew chapter 1. The story began in the Garden of Eden. And so the Gospels cannot and should not be understood apart from the Old Testament. Now, I understand as students uh, or people just wanting the Bible, you're like, well, I'm just, I'm doing a New Testament survey. I get that. And, and, but I want to encourage you to keep it in mind that all of this is connected to the Old Testament. And it'd be great to do an Old Testament survey and watch and, and check that out and make sure you've read it and understand it. All that is happening is tied to the story of Israel. Some of the books will tie more into it than others. Uh, some of the books are very difficult to understand without the Old Testament. Some are a little more off of it, but all of them are a continuation. What Jesus says and does, how the people respond, and the ultimate focus of the authors is all centered around the story going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and then the call of Abraham, and then Moses, and, and this, the establishment of Israel as a nation, and their fall to Babylon, and their, their promise of a return and a coming king who would save them. Um, the exodus and, and the fact that they feel like they're kind of now slaves again, only the Roman Empire, and wanting freedom. Um, believing that so many of their problems are punishment for not being loyal and wanting to be loyal. All this stuff is happening throughout the Old Testament. It's now coming to its climax in the story of the arrival of Jesus, his life, his teachings, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and the church community that formed through him and after him. Uh, that's the story. So that's the big idea. It's connected to the Old Testament. The second thing is this. What kind of, what kind of book are you reading? Well, if you pick up a book like, uh, I don't know, um, Lord of the Rings or something, you know what you're reading, right? You're like, it's, it's fantasy. <laughs> There's going to be dragons and swords and the whole thing looks the same. What's interesting is when you, when you read the New Testament, some of the books look different than other books. Um, the book of Luke looks very different than, say, the book of Romans. And the four gospel books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then Acts, actually are, have a very different structure and style than the rest of the New Testament. So what is their structure and style? I would describe it this way. The gospel books and Acts are theology written through history and biography. I know that was a mouthful. Theology written through history and biography. They are true accounts of historical activity, but the authors of these books have a particular point or message they are trying to convey. So they are both history, biography, and they are also theology. Let me break this down first. Let's talk about history and bio biography. Um, all four of the gospels and Acts have a 
a history of composition, how they came to be. We, we know how they came together. They are set in a real historical time period, especially Luke is very clear with this, but Matthew and others as well. They want you to know this took place in a real time, in a real place, first century modern day Palestine. And they want you to understand that they are conveying real historical information. These are not fantasy books. These are not just silly nonsense. Somebody just, they're not allegories. They're not metaphors. They're not like, well, actually the whole story of Jesus is really just kind of this made up imaginary picture of how God loves us. No, no. These are real historical documents. Our faith is not based on metaphor or random philosophical teachings, but of actual real events that took place in real human history. Jesus actually lived, died, and rose again. He actually said the things that he said. His followers actually did what they did in the book of Acts. And this matters. It's history. We also use the word biography because the Gospels have a very biographical feel in the way that ancient biographies were written, especially in the Greco-Roman Empire, that focused on great men and women and, and what they did and taught in real history. Anyone reading a biography in the ancient world knew just as you are today, I'm not reading fantasy right now. This isn't science fiction. This isn't poetry. I'm reading a story about a real person in a real time and place. So they're historical biographies. That is clear they want you to believe that. When you read the Gospels, you're reading history. Um, the way they are written is as what we call a narrative. They're stories. Um, they're not written like an encyclopedia or a textbook. They're not a bunch of random facts. Um, they're not even written like the rest of the letters in the New Testament, which are written like letters that so you write to a person. These four books are written like stories. There are characters, there's settings, there's a plot, there's an unfolding story in each of them. Uh, in that case, it's closer to Lord of the Rings. It's real, it's true, but it's written like Lord of the Rings. It's written as a story. It comes to us because it was a story. <laughs> We're actually following the events of something. That, it's a historical story of something that really happened. Um, and so this means they should be read what we call vertically. Uh, I'd be careful with the Gospels. And I would say this about all the Bible, but especially the Gospels. The Gospels were not meant to be sort of shotgun. You just pop it open and boop, I'll start here. Uh, John didn't want you to start reading in what we call chapter 12. He didn't even have chapters in Rome. Uh, Luke didn't expect you to just pick up in the middle of his book. He started with the beginning and he went to the end. And so the Gospels are meant to be read as a whole. And I would encourage you as, as you finish each of these videos that you take the time to sit down in chapter one and read all the way through each of them as you're doing this. That's how they're meant to be read. If you really want to understand them, get the story, read the whole thing. Oftentimes we miss the beauty of some of the authors and the way they put things together and arrange things and tie things together because we don't see it all the way through and read it together that way. Um, so that's just a great way to do it. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to read it chronologically. And in fact, as we'll see, Matthew and probably John, maybe a little bit Mark, maybe not even aren't that chronological, uh, but they are meant to be read the way they come to us. So they are historical, real stories, narratives. They're not poems or letters or works of legal code. They're stories, but they are theological. And I want to stress that these books are theological. What do I mean by that? Well, the Gospels are not unbiased news. <laughs> Sorry, Fox or others. Um, the Gospels have a purpose. They're, they're biased, okay? You are reading a biased book by an author that wants to convince you of something, wants to teach you. Um, when they're writing this story because they want you to believe something. They are theology. They want to teach you something or convince you something true about God, a certain truth about who he is, namely that Jesus is God's Messiah, the true King. Um, and it's imperative 
that we recall and keep in mind as we're reading everything we talked about. The like, this is this is there's a purpose here. There's there's learning. There's teaching. God doesn't just want to tell you a story. Oh, here's some stuff. He wants to transform you and change you and get you to respond to this Jesus. So there's really two purposes then that we see in the gospel books. On the one hand, they are written to recount what happened. They want to tell you what happened. They want to preserve a historical record, especially Luke. Have a way to teach converts and pass on the information. Make sure it's written down. Make sure we know what's true, what's real. These books were used in worship and and taught each other. They were used in catechisms and respond to criticism of unbelievers in an apologetic sense. So there's a what. This is real. This is real history. We believe this actually happened. Here's actually what happened. But they also want to explain why it happened. That's the theology. Not just to instruct you on the what, but the why. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus say what he said? Why did Jesus do? What was the significance of the things that he said and did? His death, his resurrection, all these kind of things. And this means that we should be constantly, as we're reading these books, looking for the author's intentions and and reasons for writing the way they did. Not just looking to understand the what. Okay, Jesus did this. The why. What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my life? What does this mean for the community of the world if this happened, right? So it's history and a story, and then it's also theology. It's the what and the why coming together. So that is really how you should approach the gospel books. And in some ways, you could approach all the Bible that way. Although, as we'll see, the letters don't have as much focus on the what. They're much more focused on why. Uh, We'll see that the epistle letters actually want to spend most of their time looking back to the gospel story and saying, what is the significance? What does this mean for our lives? But you do see that a little bit in the gospels. Now, one last thing I want to talk about, uh, and this will be, for some of you, this is kind of new, uh, but I think it's an important thing to talk about. Another important aspect of understanding reading the Gospels is that you have four books telling the same story, but each with their own viewpoint. And that raises some really interesting questions. Questions about why do we need four? And what's the difference? And what do we do with the differences? Uh, And you'll notice about these books that, that many of them share some strong similarities. In fact, we have a special word that we use in, uh, in biblical studies to talk about Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We use the word synoptic. It's a, it's a connection of soon, sin, which is together or with, and optic, seen, eyes, seen together. What we mean is Matthew, Mark, and Luke have some really close similarities. I mean, sometimes they're literally repeating each other verbatim. This leads us to believe that they had access to each other when they were writing. John is kind of off in his own world. Like John has almost nothing to do. Telling the same story, but he doesn't use any content from the other three books. Um, and so we call, we, John sort of lives on. Now, when you're reading, and you, we'll talk about this more, what you'll find is Luke and Acts are written by the same person, and they're a continuation of the same story. But your Bible puts John between them because they want to put Luke next to Matthew and Mark because Matthew, Mark, and Luke are seen together, and John's kind of over here. Uh, he's really kind of its own world. Uh, now, there's a few things that come up. One of them is scholars, general opinion, there's, there's differences, but the overriding majority of scholars tend to believe that Mark was written first and that Matthew and Luke were probably writing separately and each of them had access to Mark. And so they probably, uh, Matthew uses almost all of Mark. Um, Luke uses about half of it. When Luke uses it, he changes like some of the grammar and wording thing. We'll talk about that in our Luke video. Um, but then Matthew and Luke also have similarities that aren't in Mark, like almost word for word verbatim to each other. 
So some people say, well, maybe Luke had Matthew and Mark, but then it's like, well, but then there's it. So there's actually uh, a belief out there that there's maybe another source. And the word source starts with, and it's a long story, but Q uh, from the German. If you've ever heard the idea of Q, Q is the idea that there's some lost source that Matthew and Luke both pulled from. Uh, so they both had Mark, Q, and other stuff. What's the point? First, <laughs> let me just tell you this. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, if Matthew and Luke pulled from Q, um, cool. If they didn't, cool. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to whether the Bible is or isn't inspired. We as Christians believe that the letters and the books that were given to us, the book of Luke is inspired. How Luke went about getting his information, he told us he researched it. He told us he wasn't there. Um, we don't, we're not sure Matthew, we don't know about that. We'll get that video. Um, so they obviously had to do some research. They asked other people, talked to people. If they both shared a book that we don't have anymore and they both had Mark or they didn't, um, it doesn't change whether these books are inspired. We don't talk about the inspiration in the way they came about the books. We talk about the inspiration in the book they have. Whatever, whatever process they use to collect the information and create them, we believe God used to bring us the book that we have. So don't get too caught up on that. So I, I know people who if you talk about Q, they're like, oh, you're like a heretic or you don't believe the Bible's inspired. What? No, no, no. And other people, like, if you don't believe in Q, you're stupid. It, it doesn't really matter that much. What matters is the books that we have are inspired. They're the books that God wants us to have. Um, but here's the other thing. The beauty of having four different ones, and they are different. They do change. There's changes. There's differences between them. Is that when you compare them, you can actually begin to see what each author was focusing on, what they, what they highlighted. Because when they made their decisions, what they put in and not put in, they were showing you what they cared about. Um, things that Matthew really wanted to focus on that the other books don't have tell us something about what Matthew wants to say. Because again, it's theology. He's want to teach you something. Luke focuses on other things. Mark has a different approach. John, a very different approach. All of them are telling the same story in their own words, in their own way, mostly. Um, but probably for different people, different audiences, and for different reasons. So uh, when you talk, about, we'll, we'll talk about the audience of each of these books, but what we'll find is there's probably four different audiences. And each book probably had a specific community or audience in mind when writing it uh, that would appeal to those specific people or, or tell the story in a very specific way that that group of people needed to hear. Um, and again, we'll touch on that as we go through each one. Uh, but the idea, though, what's cool about it is to step back and say, well, we have these four stories, of four versions of the same story. They don't disagree. They don't argue with each other. They, they, they tell us the truth in all four of them. But each of them give us a different perspective, a different angle, a different, uh, there's, there's unity, but there's also diversity, right? We, we, and in each book, we get a different sense. And what I really love, and, and you're going to see this as we walk through each of these videos, you're going to see that by having four of them, the story of Jesus, the same story of Jesus has a way of really appealing specially to different groups of people at different times and places. And that's beautiful. That's awesome. Um, there are times and places, there are certain kinds of people who need to hear Luke's account because it's orderly and analytical. There's other people that need to hear Matthew's account because it's really focused on Old Testament prophecy and fulfilling and proof. Like, there's other people that want John because it's just philosophy and it's poetic and it's beautiful. Um, other people need to hear Mark for his reasons. They each kind of bring a different side to the story, which helps us get a fuller, better picture of who God is. Um, and that's great. Now, some people say, well, why not more? Aren't there other gospels out there? And we're not going to get into a lot in, in this. Um, just to let you know that other quote-unquote gospels, 
um, ancient writings that claimed to be authoritative were not accepted by the early church. Most of them were very late coming, century or so later, unreliable sources, and were never trusted by the church, often arguing for more agnostic or legendary story kind of stuff. The four gospels that we have are the ones that God wants us to have. And so they're the ones we're going to study, they're the ones we're going to read, and they're the ones we're going to submit our lives to. So over the course of the next five videos, we'll be walking through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, giving you background, context, where they come from, walking through them, and some of the main ideas, as well as looking at how each of them are distinct and different from each other, and some of the beauty and interest that comes out of that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm so excited you chose to join us, uh, join me on this journey through the New Testament. I think it's going to be a really great ride. And again, my prayer is that as we do, you fall more and more in love with God's Word and let it change and impact your life, not just fill your head with information, but transform you into the person that Jesus has called you to be. All right, so if you're ready, let's dive into the first video together and jump into the Gospel according to Matthew.